0: Sometimes I feel like we're coming out of these worship experiences and we have to come back into the real world, and I don't want to come back into the real world, right? I think the Lord is doing something special here today, and I pray that you're attentive to whatever it is that he's speaking to you. I really do encourage you in that. There's some great things going on in this church. Uh, One of those things is that uh, our students are going to help out doing a small outreach thing this afternoon uh, to help out the Huntsville Pregnancy Resource Center. And So please stay around if you're a student. There's some pizza involved in the whole deal, so you'll be able to fill your belly while you're helping out. Uh, That's going to be immediately following church. As well, if you have recently received Jesus Christ in your life and you haven't been baptized, then this is your month, April 30th, so it's only a couple weeks away. We would love to participate in this stage in your walk of faith with Jesus Christ uh, in your baptism. And if you've been walking with the Lord for some time and haven't been baptized, then we invite you to be a part of it too. So that's coming up, uh, April 30th. And now I know the Lord has something special to us to say today. So Joel, here you go.
1: Thank you. I, um, uh, when we're in a, when we're in a a time of worship, um, and uh, a lot of you guys are in here and you can sense the, Presence of the Lord, and you can sense the work of the Lord. God's always with us. Um, you don't even uh, have to ask Him to be with you. He, he's 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 here. Now, what you can do is you can ask Him to make you uh, more aware of His presence. And so, uh, but oftentimes there are unique ways that we experience the presence of the Lord, depending on just what He's doing in our midst. If we're going to sing uh, that he, He's here in our midst. Uh, But sometimes there's a special grace in specific moments. There's a grace in that moment maybe for healing uh, is what uh, what we were talking about a little bit earlier. And there's a a grace in a specific moment for for you to receive uh, the peace of God or to receive uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a special grace sometimes for us to experience uh, the joy of the Lord. But um, uh, what I would encourage you to do during this time, we're about to dig into the Word, we're digging into the Scriptures, uh, but what I would encourage you to do and everybody in the room to do is just, uh, it, just for a moment, if you would, if you just close your eyes right where you are and just, it, you can do this in your mind, you can do this out loud if you want, or you could just do it under your, under your breath, and you just ask the Lord, you just say, Lord, what are you doing in here? What are you doing in my life this morning? And and, and I can I can promise you this. Um, if you will make space for God, uh, He will fill it. If you make space for God in your life, He will fill it. And so God, we just pray this morning again. Uh, God, your your grace is here. There's a there's a unique grace uh, in this moment. And so God, we ask that you would just make us more aware of it. And so we ask, what are you doing? God, what are you doing in our lives? What are you changing? What are you turning around? What are you bringing about? What gift of grace do you have this morning? The core of who you are is a giver. You loved, you loved so much that you gave the most precious thing many of us could ever think of. You gave your own one and only son. And so, God, we ask that you would make us aware of what you're giving this morning. You're a giver. And so, God, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to you this morning. Speak to us, God, so that we can be closer to you, so that we can be made more like you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Good, good, good. Hey, we are in our Easter series. So we celebrated Easter last week. Uh, Anybody celebrate Easter last week? We celebrated the resurrection. Good. Okay, good deal. All right, so news for you, he is still risen Um, he's still, he's still here. And so we're going to stay in this Easter season for a little bit, uh, for a few weeks. Our passage of scripture this morning is in John chapter 20. Um, before we get there, I wanted those of you that have kids or those of you that have, uh, teenagers, we're doing uh, a couple, we've got a retreat and a camp this summer. And so there's some information for our, our back-to-school kids retreat. I know that sounds crazy to say back-to-school kids retreat. Your kids are still in school. <laughs> um, but we're doing that in, um, in July. But we also have a, uh, a student retreat, a camp that we're doing. And so um, whenever, I said it a minute ago, whenever we make space for God, He tends to fill it. And so uh, that especially involves getting away on a retreat or a camp or whatever. So there's some information at our resource table out in the uh, lobby after service. If you've got a, a student or a child that would be interested in that, I would encourage you to check that out. Uh, all right, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. We're going to bounce around just a little bit. It's a little bit longer, passage of Scripture, but we're about to look at the, the uh, reactions to Jesus' resurrection according to the Gospel of John. Beginning in verse 11, Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. So she had just gotten to the tomb. And as she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And the angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? And she replied, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. And as soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. Now, that's, that should be surprising. She's been with Jesus, a lot of people would say probably the entirety of his ministry, probably all three and a half years, at least three years he's been with Jesus, all right? Anybody ever been in a relationship for three years? All right, you ever had a friend for three years? Anybody ever known anybody for three years? Okay, and then you turn around one day and you're looking at them and you just go, who are you, all right? Odd odd thing going down right here, okay? Didn't know it was Jesus, verse 15. And so Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Verse 19. It was still the first day of the week that evening while the disciples were behind closed doors. Everybody say closed doors. Because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. And so Jesus came and stood among them. They were behind closed doors, and then Jesus shows up. Not behind closed doors, all right? Jesus walks straight through, and he says, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, And after eight days, his disciples were again in a house, And Thomas was with them. Thomas wasn't there last time. And Thomas gets to be there this time. All right? Hooray for Thomas. Even though the doors were locked, you guys notice in a pattern, Jesus entered and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. And Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. This is the word of the Lord. And everybody said, thanks be to God. So uh, last week uh, we had Easter. How did you celebrate Easter? Did you guys have uh, a good Easter? Did y'all go over to uh, anybody's house? Did you go to your own house to celebrate Easter? We had two services here at church. It was our first time. We were a little bit excited, all right? Had two services here. It was the first time for our church. Um, had our highest attendance ever for our church. Just a little bit of hoorah, you know, going on. We're a little bit excited. Um People made commitments to follow Jesus again. A little bit of a hoorah going on over here, and um, we sang real loud. This is great. This is a great service. Um, we, we had a we had a good time. I remember one of the first um, times that we had Easter when uh, my kids were little. One of the first times that my oldest. Uh, Sophia uh, really kind of knew a, a little bit about Easter, and we had gone to church and everything. We'd, so we were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but there's also the whole Easter bunny thing. And we're like, it's not about the Easter bunny, but here's some. But but Easter bunny also shows up. There's some candy, and so, um, and so, uh, I remember we were gonna have a we were gonna have a party, and uh, I say a party, we're just gonna have some friends over uh, for lunch. And and Sophia asked who was gonna come over. And, um, and so we started to ask her. We were like, well, who, 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 who do you think can come over? We said, do you, can, uh, can your grandparents come over? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, I'll let them over. She's like five years old at this time. She goes, yeah, the grandparents can come over. And so we named some friends. We said, hey, can, uh, can Joe and Mandy come over? And she goes, yes, they, they can come over too. We said, well, what about the Easter bunny? She goes, no. No, I said, no. She goes, no. I said, I said why not? And she said, because he wasn't there when Jesus rose from the grave. And I was like, dang. I was like, this is Sims Mafia up in here. We're all about some loyalty and just family around here. You ain't there when Jesus shows up, you don't get to party with us. I was like, I'm raising my kids right. I still, I, I, I love the Easter season. I love the celebration. I love, um, I, I just love what we get to celebrate. Christians celebrate Easter Really, is the most significant celebration, spiritual spiritual event, really in in human history. It's always a celebration service. It it didn't start that way, though. You guys, you guys just went with me in the text. It didn't start as a big party. It didn't start as a celebration. How did the disciples celebrate it? First day of the week, they are terrified. They had just quit their job earlier before they were following Jesus. They had left home, and some had sold everything that they had and they had given it away, and For three years they've been immersed in this other way of life and now there's no Messiah, there's no Savior, they don't know what's going on and they're hiding in fear everywhere that they go, they're terrified. It's amazing that Easter doesn't really begin with with peppy promises and happy songs but instead with anxiety and confusion. Just confused. We can relate. We can relate. We're we're not in just a a moment or a season of anxiety, even in our culture today. We're we're in an age of anxiety, an an age of confusion. Today, uh, anxiety disorders are um, by far the most common disorder in in America. It affects uh, at least one in five adults. Uh, There was a study in the 90s, and uh, they, they... what they, they were studying the sources of anxiety and, and uh, found out that those that really pursued those people that pursued money and looks and status were were more likely to feel nervous and depressed. All right, now it's in the '90s. I want you to think about what's happened in our societies since the '90s. The vast majority of people are pursuing money or status or brand building or, of some kind, and the fruit of that is that the U.S is now statistically the most anxious nation in the world. A lot of that, we knew those before 2020. And so here we are asking the question, do we think anxiety has increased or decreased? I think we know the answer to that. It's, It's pretty clear. Our society now is in a desperate pursuit of peace. A desperate pursuit of peace. You just look around at where you work, at your own home, in your own family, in your own soul, in, in us. We're in a desperate pursuit of peace. Our, our, our vision of peace, though, um, really we define, a lot of times we define peace as just the, the absence uh, of the freedom from disturbance and, it, and, it's, and its basically tranquility. So you just got to ask, how, how do you think our world is moving toward freedom of disturbance and and tranquility. We don't don't even have the ability. We don't even have the coping mechanisms to move toward peace. If our vision of peace is one with the absence of problems, that means we've moved into not a time of anxiety but an age of anxiety. And so we're swimming in an ethos of anxiety and we ache for peace. And the disciples resonate with that. The disciples of Jesus resonated with that. Many of them, um, many of you, can resonate with that. the The Jewish vision for peace at the time, uh, there was a, there was a vision also. the The vision of Rome, uh, the Pax, the Pax Romana, built on really just fear and violence. Basically, the, the idea there was, pay us taxes and and we'll just leave you alone. But if you don't, we'll basically burn your house to the ground. All right. And so, but if you pay us taxes and uh, we'll leave you alone and everything will be fine, you'll have peace. The Jewish vision for peace is basically based on the Romans being overthrown and then God would raise up a military leader uh, like King David. And so imagine the disillusionment when none of this takes place. None of this comes about. None of it happens. In the middle of all of this, Jesus comes along in John 14, and he says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I I don't give you peace as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so there's something different going on with with Jesus when he's resurrected. Nobody Nobody recognizes the resurrected Jesus at first. Mary is sitting there and she's crying because she's lost her, what she believed to be the Messiah, but she had been following him for three years. and She's devastated and then she sees Jesus, but she doesn't, recognize him it's hard for us to even grasp and then he says her name and then she recognizes oh, wait I know that voice and she recognizes it's him the disciples they don't know what to think Jesus walks through the wall he, he walks through the wall and walks into the room what are you guys going to do if Jesus just kind of walks through the wall in here what do we do? No, we're gonna, we're we're gonna, we're not, we're just gonna stand there in shock. Some of us are just gonna stand there. Some of us are gonna fall down the ground. Some of us are gonna, we're gonna beeline out those double doors right there. Somebody's gonna try to dive through one of these windows. We're not gonna know. It's gonna be, we don't, we don't know. So they're sitting there. They don't know what's, they don't even know what's going on. And it wasn't until Jesus says, "Here, let me let me have your hand." Look at this. And there's something about that he he, they touch the scars and they, this is this is resurrected Jesus. A week later, Thomas is there. Finally, Thomas gets to be a part. Thomas says, I'm not believing nothing you guys say until I see it myself. Thomas gets a bad rap. I don't think Thomas needs a bad rap. A lot of you in here, me included, your friends come and tell you, you're like, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, but the guy we were hanging out with for three years, so he's alive now, he's resurrected. Uh, I mean, I've seen him, you haven't seen him. Just a few people have seen him, but he's resurrected now. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, no, I'm out. I don't believe you. I'll believe it when I see it. Anybody ever said that before? I'll believe it when I see it? So Thomas is here, and gracious Jesus shows up eight days, seven and eight days later, and he comes in there, and Thomas is there. All for him. So all the disciples are there, and they see Jesus, and they're like, man, we told you. here he is. And so Thomas still doesn't leave and says, so Jesus, in his graciousness, comes over, and he goes, all right, here's the deal. Let, let, me, let me have your hand. Put your finger right here on my side. Touch my hand. So the disciples, they did, it was it was... It was confusing. He was like, look, this isn't a ghost. This isn't a spirit being. This is resurrection. This is resurrection. What's the, what's the first thing you do when you come back from the dead? Well, Jesus gives us peace. What's the first thing you would do if you came back from the dead? <laughs> Jesus, the first thing he does is he gives us peace. And so I want to talk real quick this morning just about a different kind of peace. A different kind of peace. If you are in the world that I live in, if you're in the culture and the society that I live in, there is an ache for a real peace. There's a lot of people. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of environments claiming to sell peace. We, we, they can make a lot of money on it. And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you this. There's only one true peace. So this is a different kind of peace. First one is this. If you're taking notes, it's a peace of peace. His presence, peace that comes from God's presence. Verse 19 in John chapter 20 says, On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked, fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed. He's doing, um, he's doing a couple things they're hiding because they're afraid, and Jesus appears and shows his wounds to him. And he's doing a couple things here. First is he's revealing his identity. Jesus wants them to know it's really him. It's not a ghost. Uh, it's, it's really him, flesh and blood. He even sits down and he eats a meal with him Because the thought was ghosts can't eat. All right? Anybody here believe in ghosts? Don't raise your hand. I'm just, this is, here it is. So it, 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 the, the idea is ghosts can't eat. And if you, were, if you saw a ghost... The idea was you could give them something to eat, like a snack or something, and then the ghost would eat it, and you're like, oh, it's, it's on the floor, and I can see it. So you're a ghost, and so you're not even real. All right, so that's the ghost test. So the disciples give Jesus the ghost test, all right? And he's standing there, and Jesus is in there, and he's like, all right, just, just give me something to eat. And they're like, here goes nothing. And so he starts to eat, and so the one is to reveal his identity. He's like, look, this is a real, this is me. It's not a spirit. It's not a ghost. He's trying to give a bring clarity, not just to them, but to us too. For for uh, there's there are a lot of uh, later on there are a lot of heresies that came out, um, uh, things that were not true about Jesus that um, really push people and deter them off of the truth uh, that Jesus was resurrected. And so this is why he this is why he does that. So he wants to show his identity. The other one is is to reveal his commitment just to show his commitment. He wanted them to see his source of commitment. Oftentimes different um, causes would require people to show their scars that they had accumulated in loyalty to the cause. And so Jesus says, I I want you to know, I want you to see, these scars here reveal my commitment to you. And so Jesus' scars are the scars of proximity. Proximity. They're the scars from a God who is drawn near to us. This was always His plan. It was always His plan to reveal His nearness. It's a God who's near. God created the world. If you go back in uh, Genesis 1 and 2, He created the world in order that He could walk with humanity. He could walk with Adam in the cool of the day. We even get this picture of Adam walking in the cool of the day before the fall. Why? Because God wants to be near. He sends his prophets later on. They, Adam and Eve mess up, and then everybody messes up, and then there's all this sin and brokenness, and so God continues to send these messengers out. Hey, here's how to fix this. Here's, how, here's what you can do. God wants to be near to you, and so here's the thing that you can do. It's always been his goal. And so, so we, we see in Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, he says that um, he calls the, the Messiah Emmanuel, which means God with us. Lastly, Jesus shows up, and he says, look, I'm I'm here to show you that I'm with you. He's near in, in every space. He's near with us uh, in, in obscurity. That's a uh, that's probably that obscurity is a word that tends to be, I mean, it's it's something that people push so hard against as a culture, we push against obscurity. Because so many of us as a culture, we want so desperately to be seen and to be known. And if you live in obscurity, obviously, how could that ever happen? And yet somehow Jesus, who is God in the flesh, lives 30 years of his life in obscurity. Nobody even knows really who he is. God understands what it feels like, what it looks like to be to be overlooked and, and unseen. He's near to us in obscurity. He's near to us in mercy. He shows us his commitment to us in saving us from our sin. We have this story of this woman who's called in adultery and all these people come around and they're like, what are you going to say? Accuse her, judge her, show this. And, and, and yet, a lot of you guys know this story. What does he do? He, he, he shows mercy. You who, have, you, who, you who have no sin, you've never done anything wrong, why don't you be the first to cast the stone? You be the first to cast the stone. There's only one person in this group that could actually have thrown a stone. And that was the one that said... Not me. How about you? Any, any of you? He, he's near to us in mercy. He's, there's this crippled guy who uh, his friends bring him um, uh, to, to Jesus, and he, and, he, and, he, and he can't get to Jesus. There's a huge crowd in the way. Jesus is in a house, and he's teaching. And so Jesus is, um, uh, Jesus is teaching, and so this uh, crippled man's friends bring him and, and pick him up and put him on the roof. All right? Anybody ever been on a roof before? All right? They take him and put him on the roof, and then they dig a hole in the roof. Anybody ever fell through the roof before? i got to have my hand up. All right? Yeah. I saw I see a couple of hands. They're like, I did. I did fall through. I'm not raising it high, though, Joel. You're not getting me on this one. Um, so they dig a hole through the roof. Then they lower the guy down. And the first thing Jesus says, hey, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. And everybody's like, wait a second. Who gets Only God gets to forgive sins. And Jesus says that. He says, but just so that you know that I have the power to both forgive sins and to heal, he looks at the guy and he says, get up and walk. And so now his sins are forgiven. And now he says, why? Because Jesus is revealing his nearness to us in mercy. He's near to us in our fear. People were afraid of death and disease and the evil one. And every time Jesus draws near and he says, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. He's in the storm on the boat. There's this huge storm. He looks at his disciples. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And they're like, Jesus, are you aware of the storm? The waves are crashing into the boat. We're going to die. And he says, don't be afraid. This is before he'd even calmed the storm. What is God's message to you in the middle of the storm? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Jesus in the room again with his friends. And he says, what? Peace be with you because I'm, I'm still here. I'm still with you. It's a different kind of peace. It's a peace that comes from his presence. He had to, Jesus had to break through their, their barriers, these fearful barriers of walls and locked doors, just in order to say, peace be with you. There's like a life cycle of peace. all right. Life cycle of peace kind of starts with this. It starts in, with wonder. All right, think back, uh, think back in, in wonder. It starts small with this just innate sense of wonder. Think back, you know, when you were little and you sit and play in the dirt and you'd build like dirt houses. All right. And you just like, look at this. This is, you crawl over and you see a flower and you just stare at the flower. Some of you guys got little babies. We got, we got babies all over the place in this church. We got, um, you all got little babies. What do they do? They just stand there. I remember we, we, um, uh, Lindsay and I were, we tried to turn our children, uh, into, um, uh, uh, just into, uh, geniuses. And so, uh, when they were infants and the way we did that was that we were told that if we played them a video uh, called baby Einstein our children would turn into basically genius Einstein's and so we would play this video and I was like I can't wait to see this and I remember seeing the first video of baby Einstein and I was like I, look I know this is for the babies but I'm gonna watch it too because I could, could use some work and so we turned the video on and I'm like here comes baby Einstein my kids are about to be so smart and it's like a candle it's just a candle, and it's lit, and there's a little flame, and it's like 30 seconds of a candle, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting on the next thing. I'm like, this is kind of prep because the next thing's going to get you, and then they're going to teach me. It's not. The next thing's like a stuffed animal. It's not even a puppet. It's not even moving around. It's just a stuffed animal. It's just a dumb old stuffed animal just sitting there. But what do you do? You're a baby, and you're just staring at it. It's just in wide-eyed wonder. Look at that. Fire. <laughs> Some of y'all are still like that. Fire. Fire. <laughs> But you, you move on and you move on and, and, and you, you get a little bit older and you put off these, these childish things and you become mature and peace kind of begins to erode and you become kind of disenchanted. And then the third stage, we move into disillusionment. We just lose total hope. We go straight up, straight up into dis- disillusionment. Fourth stage, we, we long and we ache for these things we believed before to be true but in a, in a deeper, a, a realer sense. And in the last stage, it's that sense that leads us and introduces the presence of Jesus back into our world. It's, we start off with wonder. This is, this is how the disciples were. They started off with wonder, and they met Jesus. And they're like, this is, I don't even know, I just, this is amazing, I can just stay with them, just be with him." And then Holy Week comes in and leads them to disenchantment. They don't have any idea what's happening. And then Jesus dies, and they're disillusioned. And then they end up later on locked in a room and they long for the story to be true. So, so many Christians walk around like hype men, just trying to pump everybody up like there's not a real struggle going on. I, like, like there's not a real struggle that's going on. And that's not the peace that Jesus is talking about here. It's not a cheap peace. Jesus doesn't provide pe- uh, cheap peace. It's like, costly peace. The peace Jesus is talking about is one that breaks through the walls of disillusionment and despair and brings resurrection hope meeting those longings for peace in a deep, in a real way. That's the peace of his presence. It's a different kind of peace. A second one is a peace of purpose. Purpose. John chapter 20 verse 21 again Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me I'm sending you I'm going to send you the same way. What's the purpose of resurrection? What is the purpose of death? What is the purpose of his life and ministry? It it's, it's, can be confusing that the person of Jesus is so, can be so poorly represented today. Most people think of followers of Jesus a lot of times as just the, the, the fun police. Your job as a follower of Jesus is to go around and look for fun and shut it down. Shut it down. Is that, I'm sorry, are you having fun over there? Nip it. Get rid of it. It's, 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 it's terrible. It's terrible that that's the, that's the picture in our mind. That's the vision we have of Christ followers, a lot of us. Even with, if you follow Jesus, you're like, yeah, isn't, is that not it? Is that not, we, when we go to heaven, we party, but right now we just walk around like this. And then if you don't follow Jesus, you're like, yeah, Joel, you pretty much summed it up. That was it. Like, that's, that's y'all's job, right? It's, it's, it's terrible. Our vision is, is to control everybody's joy. But it's nothing, it's nothing like that that we see in the Gospels. John 3.17. So John 3.16, verse a lot of you guys know, you've seen it, painted on stuff, um, John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to reconcile and to redeem humanity. Not not take away, not to take away. Imagine you were abandoned at your most crucial hour. You're finally able to have those people in the same room with you again, okay? You've come back, you're at the top of your game. They've abandoned you, but you're back. Here you are, what do you say to them? What do you say? What do you what do you say? I, I got a friend who um, uh, he lives in Tennessee. He went to he went to high school with uh, Taylor Swift, and uh, he told me several years ago. He's like, yeah. He said, I'm gonna be honest with you. He said uh, a lot of us, most of us in high school, uh, made fun of Taylor Swift, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Who's laughing now, brother? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you, what do, you, what do you, what, I mean, what do you do? You just you just won the championship, right? And the cameras are on you. And you, you. You look at everybody and you just go to all those haters who told me I could never do it. Who's laughing now? That's, I, that's what I would do. I would totally do that. I know myself. I know my darkness. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't condemn. He walks through a wall and says, peace to you. Peace to you. Thomas, who's struggling with doubt, he doesn't, And I just don't, I don't know. I know all of you are saying all this stuff. I just can't. And Jesus is patient, so patient. Simon Peter, who leaves, he goes back to his old job like nothing ever happened. It's been three and a half years. He just goes back to fishing. He just goes back to fishing. I'll just pretend like this never happened. Jesus sees him on the shore. He says, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Man, you're not a fisher anymore. I don't want you to fish for fish. I want you to fish for people. I want you to be a fisher of men. It's a peace that comes from purpose. What sort of God is this who walks with people while they're walking away? What sort of God walks with you while you're walking away? What do you do with your power when you're back from the dead? What you do with it shows your heart. Here's Jesus going around finding all his followers that had gotten lost along the way. That's his heart. That's his heart. Those that are followers of Jesus, we have a peace because our purpose is to help those who've gotten lost along the way. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. That's our purpose. For those of you that are not yet followers of Jesus, you can have peace because his purpose is to bring it to you. A God that walks with you. With you. The third one is this. This is the final one. It's a peace from God's power. A peace that comes from God's power. Verse 22 says, And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We get peace because God's power is available to us now. He gives us the power to face our lives with confidence, not to be controlled by fear. So uh, a lot of us are familiar with uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, I Have a Dream speech uh, at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, A lot of times we don't, many of us don't realize the journey really that he went on to get there. Um, In 1955, Martin Luther King was in Montgomery and he had invited, he had been invited to give leadership to the bus uh, bus boycotts that were going on and um, was trying to basically just force an, an, an economic confrontation with the powers of injustice. And um, he had, uh, Martin Luther King had received a message from the white supremacists to stop or that they were going to uh, bomb his family. And so he's overwhelmed with fear, and he says this. He talks about hearing uh, this message and then what he does with it. He says, finally... It's late at night. He says, finally, I went to the kitchen and I heated up a pot of coffee. He says, I was ready to give up. And with my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward. And I got the point that I couldn't take it any longer. I was weak. And so with my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and I prayed out loud. And the words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I'm here taking a stand for what I believe is right. But Lord, I must confess that I am weak right now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage, and now I'm afraid. And I can't let the people see me like this, because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they'll begin to get weak. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage... They too will falter. He says, I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. This is what he says. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced him before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up, stand up, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. Three days later, his house was bombed. An angry mob showed up at his house. And the the nonviolent resistance for civil rights could have gone one of two ways. And Martin Luther King stood firmly, and he spoke of enemy forgiveness and enemy love. And that night he told the people to go home and to get rid of all the hatred in their hearts. Historians believe that that moment out on the porch was uh, the beginning of the civil rights movement as we know it. But I think that the movement was defined a few days earlier not by the speech to the crowd that they heard, but his speech to God. Here's the point. The, the point of resurrection, the point of, rever- of resurrection and, and giving of the Holy Spirit is not just a historical moment. It's a reality that shows up when we need Him most. It's not just a historical moment. Easter season, the season that we're in now, is the reminder that we receive the gift of God's resurrection power by faith. It's by faith. So wherever you are today, you can trust that you can have peace with God today simply by receiving through faith what Jesus has done for you on your behalf, receiving the Holy Spirit in your life. Our church is filled with people moving from a state of anxiety to peace with Jesus. That's the point of baptism. We're going to have baptism in a, in, in a few weeks again. This is the moment where people say the old me is gone and the new me is here, and what God is doing, it's not because of me, it's, it's because of Jesus. So I want to pray for you, if you would, if you close your eyes this evening, this morning. <laughs> Jesus seems to do the oddest thing when he walks into the room. Full of a bunch of terrified disciples. The Bible says that he says, peace to you, and then he breathes, then he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. It's the same breath of the Holy Spirit... That covered the chaotic waters before creation when God spoke. It says the spirit hovered over the waters, the, over the chaos, and then God spoke and formed creation. And so I had this thought this morning in prayer. when I was praying for you. I just thought, I wonder if there's something here where you that's where your soul feels. We're talking about peace this morning. Your soul, it feels chaotic. It's like every morning, you don't wake up with one thought. You wake up with a thousand thoughts. You aren't stressed about one thing. You're stressed about, you're stressed about a thousand things. You don't have a little bit of fear here or there. You actually have a cold, wet blanket of fear, and it seems to weigh down every part of your life. I got good news. Jesus didn't come just to bring relief, a little bit of relief. Jesus came to bring resurrection. He came to bring freedom. You can receive the peace of God today. You can receive that. You just simply pray, God, I need your peace. Will you breathe peace into my soul today? This is a simple prayer. Or maybe you're in here and you realize one of the reasons you're not walking in peace is because you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. You just haven't surrendered. There can't be a resurrection without a death. There's no resurrection without a death. Scripture says if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And So maybe you've never actually, maybe you've never actually walked across that line. You haven't allowed the old to die away so that you could say, I've been made new because of Jesus. And so if that's you, you just say, Joel, I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus, but I want to today. That's a confession. There's nobody looking around. Everybody's eyes closed. I'm the only one with my eyes open, me and me and Jesus. If that's you and you just want to say, Joel, I want to surrender my life today, would you just raise your hand real, real high, and then you put it back down. Anybody in the room? Yes. Anybody in the room? If you're in here this morning and you say, Joel, I've... You've, you talk about this peace, I hear about peace, I'm, I'm following the Lord, but I, I've, I, I want to entrust myself in a greater way to God this morning and receive his peace. If that's you, I, just, I, want to, I, I want to entrust myself in a bigger way. I want to have more faith in God this morning. And so my prayer is, God, will you give me a greater faith so that I can receive more peace? If that's your prayer this morning, would you just raise it real, real high and you put it back down? Yeah, yeah, so many of us. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just a confession. Father, this morning, God, you are the giver of all good things. You don't give bad things. You give good things. You're the giver of every good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. So, God, I thank you this morning that we get to hear in this season of resurrection, God, we get to see real-world stuff going on, real-world responses to you. It's not peppy happy songs, and everything's just hunky-dory. God, it was, it, it, was a, it was a trial. It was a struggle. It was a challenge to even begin to grasp what it means to be resurrected. And so, God, this morning, I pray for so many in this room that you would begin again the process of resurrection. Specifically, I pray that you would breathe peace into this room. God, as you began a work of grace earlier in worship while we were singing, God, as you began to do a work of grace in this space, God, I pray that you would bring it, God, you would complete it in this moment. Breathe peace on the lives, on the hearts, on the minds, on the souls of the people in this room. That's what you give. So, God, we open our hearts Open our minds to you. We receive your work, your peace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. What a good morning. Good worship and good word. Uh, I encourage you, I was thinking about this just a moment ago. It feels good on a Sunday. I walk out and I'm like, man, I'm full. Um, but tomorrow, if you wake up and you feel, you know, in your soul, oh, goodness. The reality hit me again. Remind your soul of what you've learned today. Remind yourself, God gave us His presence and His purpose. And his power and is with you as follower of Jesus. That's yours. So remind yourself of that, and it will um, it will make it'll change the course of your day, your perspective, because you're walking out with Jesus, with you, with the Holy Spirit, with you, and that changes everything. So those that, that was awesome. Hey, good morning, and thank you for worshiping with us. If it's your first time here at Four Corners Church, I want to say thank you for being with us. We're so glad you chose to worship with us today. Uh, If you wouldn't mind taking a moment in each of the seats, there is a worship guide and a connection card inside. Uh, Joel and I would love the opportunity just to write you a note thanking you for being with us. So if it is your first time or maybe you've come a few times but you've never filled out a connection card, I'd encourage you uh, to stay a moment, fill one out, and you can drop it off in the drop box in the back. Uh, We'd love to reach out and say thank you for being with us. Uh, There's also some spaces. If you're wanting to be baptized, I know we've talked about that a little bit, at the end of the month, let us know by just filling it out and and mark in baptism or anything else that you're interested in. And we will reach out to you this week about that. Also on the back side, i like to remind you that there are a Ask God, Thank God space. And so if you've got something you want our prayer team to be praying with you about, we would love that opportunity. Our church believes in prayer. We believe in standing with you. And, um, and so let us know how we can uh, be praying on your behalf this week. Uh, you can also drop anybody can drop off connection card in the back drop box uh, after church, I know we've we've already said our students, which would be six. Through 12th graders. If you want to stay after, we're going to be in the meeting room just across uh, the hall once you exit the auditorium. I've got pizza, and we're going to be working on something that this local um, Huntsville Pregnancy Resource Center asked us for help with. So I'm really excited about that, and I wanted to link that with those of you who give so faithfully to Four Corners Church. Uh, if you're not a student, then you can't stay, but you've also been able to, um, in in your giving, you're able to provide a space where students can learn and can practice giving. So they're going to stay after and work on something and be able to give back to this local uh, outreach, and it's because of your faithfulness that we're able to do that. And so I want to say thank you. Uh, If you want to give to God through our local church, you can do that either by uh, dropping off an offering envelope in the back in that drop box, or you can get online on the website or text a Certain number, I believe it was on the screen a moment ago, um, to do that by text. But I just want to say thank you, thank you, Four Corners Church, for giving, uh, like like God said, cheerfully, and you do it, and uh, and we see it, and I believe our community is seeing it too. They're being impacted by that.
1: Great. Hey, will you guys stand up with me? I want to pray for you. Um, before we do, if the, our prayer team, if you guys would come forward uh, and come up here, if you have a prayer this morning, a specific. Uh, A specific need that you would like prayer for Uh, I'm gonna pray for everybody and then we're gonna dismiss but I want to invite you in just a minute you're welcome to come up here and find somebody from our prayer team they would love to agree with you in prayer there's something powerful uh, for a lot of reasons but there's something powerful about taking your needs to God but taking your needs to God with somebody else and agreeing in prayer and so don't carry that alone Uh, uh, share that and, and, and take that to God and see, let's, let's, let's see if uh, this morning's testimony, miracle testimony, isn't the beginning, hasn't sowed a seed in our church, the beginning of just a a wave of testimonies and of miracles in our church. And so uh, God uh, can't heal what isn't revealed. And so don't, don't hold that in. Bring that before the God. So if you have a need this morning, you can come forward in just a minute and, and receive prayer. Hey, would you do this? Would you hold your hands out like this? I want to pray for you. Now may the God who gives perfect peace that passes All understanding, it goes past your mind and your heart straight into your soul. May he overwhelm you with his peace this morning. And may you walk out of here in perfect peace and joy and may it overflow from your life into those around you, into your family, your friends, those you work with, those you go to school with. And may he bring you back safely this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we love you. We'll see you this next week.